AI is coming, whether we like it or not, it's kind of the equivalent of saying, like, oh, not quite sure about this internet thing, or not really sure Google's going to take off. We need to be aware of it. When the internet launched, it took seven years to reach 100 million users. It took seven years to get that level of adoption. When ChatGPT launched, it took two months. It can make us think bigger about what we can do. It really is going to really, really change things. Welcome to the Fundraising Bright Spots podcast. This is episode 136. This is the show for anyone who works in fundraising and who wants ideas and maybe a dose of encouragement to help you enjoy your job and raise more money. I'm your host, Rob Woods, and in today's episode, we're diving into a topic that's transforming the way many charities are approaching their fundraising. Today, the phrase artificial intelligence, or AI, is used so much in our everyday life, from news reports about the need to control AI to revelations on how it's helping to progress science. But how could AI make your fundraising more effective? Well, recently, Emily Casson, head of digital at the Salvation Army, gave a fascinating talk to the Bright Spot Breakfast Club for Fundraising Leaders to give us a little bit of insight into how she sees AI in fundraising, including some real examples of how AI could help you. Let's hear from Emily, who begins by explaining what artificial intelligence is. So it's basically computer systems that can perform tasks that normally would require human intelligence. So the AI is trying to get smarter and smarter. And we're not talking just some of the kind of previous iterations. It's much more nowadays about how it can really understand and learn and how it can solve problems in ways that stimulate human intelligence. But that sounds really, really complicated. So I actually asked AI to come up with a really simple sentence to describe itself. And it's basically just smart computer stuff that helps machines act and think like humans, which we can all understand. So AI is the future and everybody's talking about that, but it's also the now. We'll have all seen the stories in the news recently about how AI can now pass the bar exam, that some of the exciting developments it's doing in the scientific realm around what it can learn about the data. And more than a quarter of UK adults have used generative AI, but I mean, everybody's familiar with it. We're all familiar with our series and using Grammarly and things like that. But it is getting a lot, lot smarter. Things are changing faster than they ever were before. When the internet launched, it took seven years to reach 100 million users. It took seven years to get that level of adoption. When ChatGPT launched, it took two months. I mean, when Threads launched a couple of weeks ago, it took five days. So you'll see that things are speeding up and getting a lot, lot faster. So what kind of tools are we talking about when we're talking about AI? There are so many different tools. There's so many different tools that can help us with writing and design and marketing, producing images and videos, help with our productivity. If you're like me, that that all sounds absolutely amazing. I'm blown away. I want to try them all. I want to do it all. But I'm also left feeling a bit like, oh my God, there is so much that we could be doing. There is so much potential out there. Really, where do you start? What can it do? 
So the charity digital skills report found that 78% of charities think that AI could really transform the way they work. But I did a session recently and about 20% of people said, oh, not sure AI is kind of even for us. But AI is coming, whether we like it or not. It's kind of the equivalent of saying, like, oh, not quite sure about this internet thing or mm, not really sure Google's going to take off. We need to be aware of it. There's also a growing large, small charity divide. So there's much more large charities saying they're trying it. They're thinking about how they can use it in day-to-day lives. And small charities often don't have the time or the expertise to be able to look at that. And that divide is growing. So how can we narrow that gap? How can we use it? And how can we inspire everybody to give it a go. So I'm going to run through some really basic examples that anybody can go away and do today. So I actually asked ChatGPT how you could help charities, because why not use AI when talking about AI? So I have many great conversations with my little buddy, ChatGPT. So it said it could save us time and resources. I mean, we never, ever have enough time as a charity. So great. I'm all for that. Improve efficiency. Also, accessibility being kind of on call when humans can't be. It also says it can improve the user experience and it can increase engagement. But it's all very well, the chatbot kind of saying that. What does that actually look like in practice? Emily went on to tell us how to get started with AI, with some examples of how you can make it work in your charity, starting with a really important question. What's your purpose for using AI. Like why? We don't want to be using AI for the sake of it. We want to be using it because we can reach more people, because we can meet the aims of our charity better. So some of the things that it's great for is coming up with ideas and also creating content. We never ever have enough time to do that. And the data analysis, that there's so many tools out there now that can really be game changers in how we analyze the data and how we can really improve our segmentation. Also around support uh, interaction, that there are various different chatbots that will now talk to people. There's now a customer service bot that's in the corporate world that can actually have an entire conversation with people for kind of 40 minutes. It can go back and forth, and you would not realise that that is not a human that you are talking to. It's not just kind of pre-programmed script it's actually learning and thinking it's also great for saving admin time and crucially raising more money so in terms of some really practical stuff idea generation we all end up having brainstorms of our charities thinking of new fundraising ideas thinking of campaigns so one really simple tip that you can go away and do is ask it for fundraising ideas ask it to pick the best one and then develop your campaign plan And then use an image tool to mock up some test images. And one of my top tips would be the more you interact with it, I use ChatGPT, but there are others like Google Bard and stuff out there. And the more you prompt it, the more it develops. The more you tell it then it's not a great idea or, oh, have you thought about this? The more it learns about you and the more it develops. So a really simple case study, a small animal charity fundraising campaign asked, ChatGPT to come up with a new campaign and it came up with a concept and I created a mock-up of an image with a really cute little dog with a heart. So it's a pretty decent first draft that quite generic but it works. 
So then I asked it to come up with some fundraising ideas for how we could really launch this new fundraising campaign for this small animal charity. So it came up with a few that, again, pretty generic, but they are all pretty usable ideas. And I bet if you went in a brainstorm around the staffing table, you wouldn't come up with much different to this. I then asked it what its favourite was. What did it think would work best on social media? And it really liked its pet photo contest that we were going to launch across social media. It wrote me all the copy that I would need to do it. It came up with a kind of fundraising mechanism of how people would pay to enter and all the different prizes and stuff they'd get. So it really went quite in-depth. And I think that is great because that's not the finished product. That's not the final thing that we're going to go out and launch. But that's definitely a great start of a 10 that we can develop and test. So it's not something that takes a lot of time. So why don't, in your next kind of team brainstorm, use this to add in ideas, to be that extra person in the room you could even get it to role play. So you could ask it to play the point of view of you are a female supporter in their mid 40s. What do you think of these ideas? And that's great. You can do that in real time. You could get it to play the finance director. Be like, right, how are we going to persuade the finance director to do this? So there's lots of great ways that you could do this. And another use case is around copywriting and images. I know a lot of charities are now using it behind the scenes for drafting strategy whether that's for giving a start for 10 or whether that's for picking holes in the strategy. If you can upload your strategy and say, oh, have we missed anything? Anything else you would put in that? And it's great for turning a long form piece. So, for example, say you are a medical charity and you've got some quite dense scientific papers, but they're really important stuff that you want to talk about. Why not upload that and ask it to turn it into a series of tweets that are really understandable for the public? You might have to try a bit of back and forth to get the tone right, but how much time could that save you? Or if you're drafting a funding bid or fundraising appeal, though I will say that it does come up with pretty generic stuff, so it's good, but you can spot it. I've been recruiting lately and you can definitely spot who has used AI in a spot statement. And also things like using A-B testing for different variations. So say you want to test on your digital marketing campaign, you want to test five different propositions. Or you might say to it, can you dial up the need on this one? Or can you make this one a bit more impactful or a bit more emotional? And it can do that. It can even write its own business case. I actually got GPT to write a board paper that I could take to a board about why it should be used and some of the ethical things we need to consider. So I asked around about what AI and fundraising could actually give us, what sort of inspirational, motivational quote could do. So the images, I'm not a pro at kind of my image manipulation, so you can tell that these aren't real, though it's also, I'll come on to bias in a minute, quite interesting what it thinks a digital fundraiser looks like. You'll see some funny examples in a second. So we can free up valuable time and resources, and that will allow us to do the meaningful relationships that Rob's been talking about and actually do the things where you really do need a human to be able to do it. As a charity, we have a real duty to maximise our effectiveness, to do the best impact we possibly can. So can we really afford not to use these tools at our disposal? 
so it's about imagining every a world where every donor can feel seen, valued, connected, that we can do all this behind the scenes to really free up time for that human element. It can make us think bigger about what we can do. It really is going to really, really change things. So another kind of real life use case that I've been using for the last couple of years is on our donation forms. So I use Fundraise Up. And not only could we get AI to write the copy and the different A-B tests, behind the scenes, it's being used on prompts for donations. So when you go to the website and click on that donate button, it knows about you. It knows, have you been before? Have you donated before? What sort of device are you on? Whereabouts are you? Is it holiday time? Like, is it Christmas time? Kind of what's your browser? And it'll use all of that with 100 different data points behind the scenes to give you a prompt that it thinks is going to be applicable for you, which sounds mind-blowing, but this does it all in real time behind the scenes. And it works. It's a tailored support experience. So somebody who's given... £500 in the past isn't going to get a £10 prompt and vice versa. So it's going to be more tailored to that supporter. And so far this year, 76% of our donors have used an AI-generated amount. And it's increased income. We have AB tested this to death. And every single time that AI can outthink and outsmart our best guesses, because it can do that tailoring piece. And there's something out last week, which blows my mind, but it's also amazing, that is generative AI and data science together. So that is a real game changer. So you could, and we'll talk a bit about the watch out in a second, upload data and say, oh, our donations are dropping off slightly. Can you tell us why? Or, oh, our GA4, our Google Analytics, isn't looking quite right. Can you fix that? It's an easy to stand understand way and it might come back saying oh I've noticed because you can connect the data that your donations have dropped off but your organic website traffic has also dropped off recently so why not invest in SEO so that sort of kind of data and AI led decision making is going to be fantastic for charities and also don't forget that our donors are using AI if I can go and ask what's the best charity to donate to it gave me Children's Society, by the way, got quite an interesting debate about how it would define the word best, that our supporters are. So we need to not forget that. Hi, it's Rob. And I wanted to briefly let you know that our two flagship in-person training programs, that's the Major Gifts Mastery Program and the Corporate Partnerships Mastery Program, start again from November 2023. These programs help you make serious progress through a blend of masterclasses with me individual coaching support, and a bunch of other resources for six months. To give you a sense of how they work, here's a clip from Jessica Minnis from the British Heart Foundation, who took part in our Major Gifts Mastery Programme last year. It was, I think, one of the best decisions I've made in terms of investment in me as a, as a major gift fundraiser. And it's a course I'm really, really pleased to have gone on. One of the primary benefits has been my confidence and the increase I've seen in that. The way that I approach my role and approach my portfolio and, and meetings with prospects has improved so much. I've secured so many more meetings with people, learned so much more about my prospects and my donors just by picking up the phone. And one great win that I've had from this is that I solicited 
accepted a £50,000 pledge from someone who was previously very unresponsive just because I picked up the phone to get in touch with them. To find out more about either Major Gifts Mastery or Corporate Partnerships Mastery, go to brightspotfundraising.co.uk forward slash services. And if you have any questions, do get in touch. But for now, let's get back to Emily, who gives us some important advice on why we should be careful with AI. So we need to think about the ethics of this. How can you be very transparent? So for the example I gave around the donation form, we're very transparent on the website and with our donors about how we're using it, why we're doing it. So you really need to think about the ethical side. Also need to be careful. It lies. Like I asked it to write me a bio for this talk. It gave me a marketing degree. I have a sociology degree. But when I questioned it, it said, ooh, presumed somebody involved in this area would have a marketing degree. So you have got to be aware of that. And also there's massive issues with copyright on images and videos. And also remember the bias that we all know data is only as good as kind of the data set it's trained on. And who is behind this? Who is doing this? There are some more ethical tools coming on the market that's going to be really interesting. And also we need to be so careful with safeguarding personal data that AI does use it. You can in the back end of ChatGPT and other tools turn it off, but you really need to think about use of data. And also not forget the humanness of it, that we want this human-natured approach. So now I've kind of terrified you with minutes on all the kind of different watchouts. How can we use this in the right way. So again, very interesting Sunday evening talking to ChatGPT about what would a charter for adoption of AI look like for the charity sector. This is a mixture. I didn't like some of their ideas. I added into my own. So how can we really light that spark? So it's about being strategic. It's about thinking how AI can help meet our goals as a charity, how we can really use it to good effect. Having a purpose, so we have a really clear intention that matches our values, that we're really intentional about how we use it. But we also have that innovation mindset that we're willing to try, we're willing to grow and embrace that agility. We're also, as a sector, using it in a responsible way, thinking about the ethics, the bias, the privacy, all of that. We also can collaborate sharing expertise and skills. Like I said, I don't have all the answers. Nobody does. So how can we all learn and share together? And the one I added was about you, that we can't forget in all of this the importance of you. So we want to be human-centred. I thought charities is all about that relational approach and think supporter first and how we can use it. So what's some kind of practical next steps that you could take? So go away, discuss in your organisation, make sure it's on the radar of senior leaders, make sure it's on the radar of teams about how they can use it. Think about the different use cases. I've given you a couple, but there's many more. Build on your skills and learn from each other because this is going to transform the way we work. Consider the ethics. Just go experiment. And think big, think how it could transform, but start really small and pilot and then scale quickly or fail fast. Then not all of this is going to work, but that's the point of innovating and testing and share successes that a lot of people are just at the testing phase at the minute and using this. 
But no doubt if I came back in a few months' time, there'd be some great case studies of how charities are really using this. And if I've kind of given you anything to take away, it would be just have a go, just on a personal level, just go, just test it, whether that's kind of working out where you want to go on holiday or kind of top tips for decorating your house or whatever it is, go away and test it. So I say that was an awfully big topic to try and give you an intro to in 20 minutes, but hopefully that gave you a bit of inspiration and ideas. At The Breakfast Club, we also had some valuable questions that attendees submitted during Emily's talk. Here's just a few of them. One from Karen. What do you think of the ethics around disclosure when AI has been used? Do charities need to state when AI has generated content or a response to supporters? I think that we do need to be ethical in this area. So the board paper I mentioned, we did have a disclaimer at the bottom. This was written with the support of AI. And I think it depends on the use case. So we're all very used to, for images on fundraising appeals, saying a model has been used in production of this. So I think we need to start doing things like this. And I would say it's highly unlikely that this is going to be the final polished thing that goes out but certainly for any supporter interaction that you need to be honest with them, that they are not talking to a human because then that can really damage the populations if they think they're talking to a human and then realise they're not. Uh, next question. Are there any good resources out there that have talked about the ethics of using it in fundraising as something we could use as a source for updating our own ethical fundraising policy that needs a section on AI? Not that I've seen. I've seen a few people blog and do some ideas, but nobody has yet come up if anybody has i would love to nick it so please kind of let me know are you aware of any courses that are available now about ai and fundraising where we can go deeper than is remotely possible in this 20 minutes not live at the minute but i do know that there are some people in the background in the digital space that are currently developing this but this is an area that is changing so fast some of the things i mentioned kind of came out last week some are coming out next week that it is changing. I think the key thing is if some of us haven't just had time to even dip our toe in the water, maybe the most important thing is just to experiment and play because a lot of the skill, like with anything, just comes once you get in the swimming pool, so to speak. But I wonder if you could zoom in on just one of those examples that you've talked through, Emily. It's a couple of people in the chat saying, could you give us an example of, of prompts of how you prompt it to actually do quality stuff, not just sort of, as some people said, waffle or like missing missing it by a mile because a couple of my attempts i was just yeah you know, I, I blamed it but i really think it was my skill in, in giving the wrong level level of instruction to chat gpt so could you zoom in on one of those and just actually tell us the kinds of things you put in the prompt and how you learn to be more specific to get better quality output yeah so i mean prompt engineering is a whole field in itself that is fast developing but I think it is not just saying come up with a fundraising idea but saying imagine you are a small animal charity this is the kind of level of income you've got this is your kind of budget I mean for that example I gave I didn't do that but you could definitely tailor it down so the more insight you can give around what kind of charity you are even what kind of like, what's your tone of voice? What's kind of language you do ideas? And then the best thing is actually treat it more as a conversation rather than a prompt and a response, actually a prompt response and be like, mm, not quite sure about that. Or Ooh, can we have more ideas like this one? This one's really good. 
and actually get into a bit of a conversation which doesn't need to take more than a couple of minutes to kind of go back and forth. Thank you. Uh, Arshingal's asked, is the copy produced by AI accessible to everyone else? Can someone else track what you're doing, what proposals you're writing, and how does that sit with confidentiality? Kind of for the chat GPT, you would have your own login. So the bit where I said it's kind of learning and using that data, it's more doing that behind the scenes. So it's more training itself the more people interact with it rather than giving your information specifically to somewhere else. But I would definitely be careful around sharing. I wouldn't share any sensitive data on there. I wouldn't kind of use any personal data, just use a bit of common sense at this stage. That makes sense. As with any influencing within an organisation to help organisations be more innovative, over the years you've managed to help various charities be more curious. Any tips about practically speaking, if we were to go away and try and build interest in this, what top tips do you have? I think I would kind of show the benefits and go heavy on how this could help, whether it's saving time, saving resource, making it more effective, because that's often what people kind of want to hear. And it's a great one to even use ChatGPT to be like, can you play the role of the board? What questions might you have? And I think it will really change when a lot of us use Microsoft Teams at work and the kind of Microsoft suite. They are going to be launching their own version of AI, and in some cases already have, that will allow you to things if somebody comes late to a meeting, say, it will summarise the meeting so far, it will take the actions, it, and things like Canva already allow you to produce presentations by use of AI. So I think the more people see it in a way that they're familiar with it, for example, like, as much as we all hate Microsoft Teams, that people see it kind of using in that, they will then see actually ooh, there's these other applications. And I think the more people can see use cases and case studies about how people are using it to raise more money and be more effective, I think that's always one of the best ways to get buy-in. They show that actually we're not the first person to do it. This other charity's tried it and this is what they've learned and this is how we can build on it. So there you go. I'd like to say a huge thank you to Emily for allowing us to share her talk at the Brightspot Breakfast Club through our podcast as well. If you haven't already tried using AI, maybe start by registering for an AI chat service and see what results you get. As always, you can find some episode notes and a full transcript of the show in the podcast section of our website, which is brightspotfundraising.co.uk. If you're not yet following the Fundraising Brightspots show, please hit that follow button now so you don't miss out on lots more valuable episodes we've got lined up for the next few weeks. And if you're a corporate or major donor fundraiser and you're determined to lift your results in the next 12 months, we're now accepting bookings at the super early discount price for our next Corporate Mastery Program and Major Gifts Mastery Program, which start again in November 2023. To find out more, check out the info on our website, which is brightspotfundraising.co.uk forward slash services. Just before we finish, I'd like to ask for your help, which is if you found the episode useful and you think it would help other good causes too, then please take a moment to share it on with your team or on social media. Thank you so much for spreading the word. Emily and I would love to know what you think about today's episode. You can get in touch or tag us on LinkedIn and on Twitter or X. Emily is at Emily Casson and I am at Woods underscore Rob. Thanks for listening today. Good luck exploring how AI could improve your fundraising, and I look forward to sharing more Bright Spot ideas with you very soon. <laughs>